Hello, quick heads up before we get started on this podcast. Usually, as you know, we censor swearing, but I dug a hole for myself. And on this occasion, we have left some swear words in. There's a section where there's just repetitive use of one specific word because we were talking about a specific aspect of Anders game. It's the S word. I'll use it now so you know exactly what's coming. But if you've got kids and they're listening, because I know some of you listen with children and you don't want them to hear it, it's shit. We talk, we talk about shit housing. It's, I mean, it's a really good bit of chat, but it means there is some swearing in this podcast. And if we bleeped and uh, when that was happening, then it sounded maybe like he was saying something worse than what he was saying. And it sort of lost context a bit. So disclaimer, there is some swearing in this podcast. If that's not for you, no problem. But it's a really good chat. Enjoy. And now it's Herrera. Welcome back to another Manchester United podcast. This one is on the road. Yes, but it also means we don't have David May. No. He was on his own trip. Uh, he sent us a picture of himself in Thailand. Not golfing. The world's biggest fish. <laughs> Fishing this time. Yeah. So many hobbies. And we're in Bilbao. Planes, trains and automobiles is how I would describe my trip so far, Sam. Yeah, go on. Tell everyone what happened. So I had to fly to Madrid, get a connecting flight. This is not going to sound as dramatic as what it actually was. But sure. After a little bit of a delay at Manchester Airport, sprinting, like I mean sprinting through Madrid Airport from, I don't know, one terminal to another, which felt like about seven miles, I literally just got to the gate and they closed the flight. So then I got bussed to a hotel, an airport hotel in Madrid, and then I flew to Bilbao this morning. But you made it. There was a train in there, by the way. That was the point of my story, because I did actually get the train in the airport. I came yesterday. I've been to the Guggenheim, went to the Fine Art Museum, got a Spanish haircut. All right, Sam. Having a lovely old time. Yeah. And what have I seen? The hotel. (laughs) And now... And this lovely stadium. Yeah, it's really nice, isn't it? So nice. Yeah. Can't believe how close the seats are to the pitch. Mm -hmm. So we're sat here at Athletic Club's stadium, we're waiting for Anders to turn up now. I say Anders to turn up. Obviously, you know it's Anders Herrera. Obviously, it says... uh, It'll say on the description of the yep. podcast, won't it? It'll be yep. episode with Anne Herrera. But you'd known it when we said Bill Bow, because who else could it be? Very much looking forward to this one, actually. Me too. It was, it's sort of, he's one of those people, when I think about his time at United, there's so many moments, there's so many things where you think about him and his career, but it was only five years. And it also, it feels weird. Yeah, but five years is quite a long time. I know, but if you think of like post-Sir Alex Ferguson, Manchester United, he's probably one of the people that you... You think you put into a team if you're going up where who's who's done well? Yeah, played under three managers at Manchester yeah. United as well. I sort of forget that he was under Ollie. Yeah, Ollie, Jose, and Van Hal. Yeah, there was all the drama of when we signed him and David Moyes tried to sign him and it was That's all right. a big hoax or something. I mean, I'd love to get that story. And then he came in with Van Hal, didn't he, mm-hmm. at that time? And a great servant for the club. Yeah. This completes the three amigos. Yeah. We have now. Completed David De Gea, Juan Mata, which you weren't there for for that no, one. Sorry, Sam. Now, Ander Herrera. So, yeah, I'm yeah. really much looking. Why do I say really much? Why do I keep saying that? That's not even a phrase. Because you're really much looking forward to it. That's not, doesn't make sense. You just really, it's you're very just, much. You're really much looking forward to it, and that's okay. <laughs> you do that, but. I'm really much looking forward to asking him <laughs> if he uh, spat on City's badge on purpose. I knew, do you know what? I actually thought, I bet you Sam's going to ask that question. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> question one Did you spit on their badge on purpose? 
<laughs> Do you think he did? Yeah. No. But I also think maybe he might say no he didn't and he was just spitting and it we'll, just happened we'll to be tell you if he tells us off camera that he really did what just i know we've got to do the podcast and people are waiting for it but i think it's really weird that football players walk around club crests that are in carpets and then people put it online with like clapping emojis like oh loads of respect look didn't step on the crest if it's in a carpet it's to be stepped on that's why it's on the floor yeah yeah no i don't know why people focus on that it makes no especially sense especially us right now yeah yeah, no, that's a good point. Right, here he is, Anna Herrera. Anna Herrera, welcome to the United Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having us. For those listening, you can ignore my next sentence. For those watching on MUTV, we are not at Old Trafford. We're at the San Manas Stadium and all those red seats behind us are here at Athletic Club. For you, Anna, what's it like being back in Spain? I'm happy to be back in Spain, to be back in Bilbao uh, before joining... Manchester United, I spent three years here. Uh, that was, um, those three years were fantastic for the club. We reached some important uh, objectives. We even played a European final, which is not easy for, for Athletic. Uh, cup final, we qualified for Champions League. So all the memories that I had uh, from my time here were perfect. And now I am back. I'm trying to repeat, if possible, what what we achieved uh, at that time, and and with the same desire and the same love for for football as always. We've brought the rain with us, I think, here. Uh, but we know you're on a bit of a break from the World Cup. Did you get managed to get away anywhere with your family? What's life been like over the last few weeks for you? We had a couple of weeks off uh, during the the World Cup uh, break. I also took advantage to, to work a little bit because my precision was not uh, a usual precision because I was in Paris and I didn't know what was going to happen, if I was yeah. going to come here or not. So it was not an easy precision for me. So I wanted to to keep working on my on my fitness. I needed it. Now I feel, I feel good. Uh, we are in a very good position in the league. So mm. I wanted to be ready to, to continue fighting for, for our European um, place at the moment so I spent some time in my hometown in Zaragoza but at the same time I'm, I was working as well so, so it has been a little bit 50-50 holidays yeah. and, and work. Yeah. So Zaragoza isn't that close to here is it? It's, a bit it's like a... two hours 45 minutes uh, by and, car. And they were your boyhood club right? I was born here in Bilbao that's, what I was that's why that's why I can play here mm -hmm. as you know the philosophy of the club only bus players or, or players uh, raised in in the Basque in the Basque country can play here so my parents are from Bilbao that's why I was born here but but when I was uh, three years old we moved to Zaragoza because of my works uh, my dad's work so I grew up in Zaragoza but I was born here for the benefit of people who are listening that maybe are less aware of the traditions of this football club can you explain what they are in, in terms of your eligibility to play for the club and how astonishing it is that a, a club can play at this level with that it, limitation of player. and develop so many incredible players yeah. as well I think it's well known in, in, in Europe, in the world, but, um, but it's not easy to explain why <laughs> or, um, we've been able or the club have been able to, to, to keep the team in the first division since the, the first day. Only Real Madrid, Barcelona and Athletic Bilbao never been, never got relegated. So that talks good about the, the, the club, about the, the, the region, the, the way the, the players 
uh, work and the philosophy of the club. Uh, only Basque players, as I said before, can play in, in the club or players that uh, they have uh, been raised in the in, in the Basque country. So um, the feeling of, of people, I don't know how to explain in English exactly, but all our fans, they feel part of it because most of the players or most of the fans, they know, if they don't know exactly the player or they haven't met the player, they know maybe a cousin or the brother or the sister or the parents. So that creates a, a special atmosphere here. It's not, uh, it's not easy to explain. You have to leave it to, or you have to experience um, that uh, feeling to, to know what, what it means for the society. I have played for great clubs, big clubs, huge clubs like Manchester United. Uh, they are important in society, but athletic is in, in the Basque society is even bigger, you know, because I always say the same, even people who don't like football, they like athletic. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's something, it's something special and it's a pleasure to, to live it. So you said your parents are both from Bilbao? Exactly. Was your dad playing football here when you were born here? My dad did all the academy. Uh, at Athletic Bilbao after um, uh, the club uh, got rid of him when, when he was 18 and then he started playing in Salamanca, Zaragoza, Celta de Vigo. Uh, but my dad couldn't, couldn't play for, for his club, for, for his heart club, which is uh, Athletic Bilbao. I could do it for him as well, <laughs> so he's proud of it. And, and yes, my dad, after that, uh, he moved from Bilbao to, as I say, Salamanca, Celta and Zaragoza. So he was a professional football player, but uh, he couldn't do it here in, in Bilbao because uh, he had to he had to move when, when he was 18 or 19. So for him, it's special as well that I have been able to play for, for the club. So your dad's career, obviously, is spectacular in its yeah. own right. How much impact did that have on you? Because We've seen football players in the past whose sons go on and, and have careers of their own. Did, did it feel like you had other choices? Did, was football all you loved? Did you want to just do what you saw your dad doing? To be honest, since, since I was a kid, football has been always my dream. Even my, my, my mom used to, used to complain because all the Christmas, all the, the, the birthdays and, and, and the, the big moments, uh, she she was trying to give me I don't know give a car or whatever and I just wanted football kits uh, a ball uh, something in in relationship with with football so football has been always around me uh, because of my dad I think because he was a professional football player after he was working as a sporting director for Real Zaragoza for more than twenty years so. Um, I couldn't imagine my, my life without football. I don't know what uh, what uh, I would have done if, if football was not my, my 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 choice. I don't know. I have no idea. It was the only choice since <laughs> since I was a kid. And luckily, uh, I have been able to 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 reach a professional level and, and playing for for great clubs and having an amazing career. So. I enjoyed so much. I'm already 33, but I was. I, I'm going to try to to make it as as long as possible because I really love football. Did he take you to stadiums and things and, and yeah. help you practice and so on? Yes, I remember when I was five, four, five, six years old. I used to admire 
Uh, I, I used to look up to to the players that were playing at that moment for for the clubs where my working where my dad was working, and I remember after the training sessions sometimes when when I had no school, he used to take me to the to the grass to play a little bit with them to to make some passes with them and that's something that is still in in my mind some of the of my idols I was able to play with them or to 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 mm -hmm. have a a few minutes with them so as i said to you before football is my life is what i is what i love and and is my passion who were your idols um it would be easy to tell you uh, i don't know uh, zidane or would be easy to tell you ronaldo or i don't know those big players cantona but my idols were the players that were playing for, for the club of my heart. At that moment, I, I don't know if English fans, they remember, but Real Zaragoza won a uh, European Cup. Uh, the name was, uh, um, in, in Spain, we call Recopa, but I don't know in, in English. It's uh, the, the champions of every uh, cup. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They used to compete together. Cup? I, cup? Cup Winners Cup. Okay, in English, in Spanish is Recopa. And... Real Zaragoza won uh, against Arsenal uh, in Paris at Parc de France, and they were my idols. Those players, Poyet, after that he played for for Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Naim, he played for Tottenham. Schneider was an Argentinian striker that were was amazing. Some players that probably they are not very known for the for most of the people, but for me they were my idols because they were playing for 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 my club, of course. You also have in your mind some big names at that time, uh, Cantona, as I said before, Zidane or Ronaldo, or these Ballon d'Or winners. But uh, idols, I used to, to look up to the players that were playing for, for Real Zaragoza at that time. I know that you've said in an interview that your dad, his idol, for example, was Sir Bobby Charlton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you watch much English football at the Premier yeah, League when you were growing of up? Of course, of course. I remember the first Spanish player, the players uh, that were to to England. Uh, Ferrer, he went to to Chelsea. After that, um, Delorno, he went from Bilbao to Chelsea as well. Um, Spanish Liverpool, uh, Reina, Torres, this kind of place. So I used to follow uh, Premier League, of course, but normally I was more focused on Spanish football because it was uh, closer to me. And but of course, yeah. I have always liked to to watch different countries. And I'm a bit crazy about football. So <laughs> even when I was kid, six, seven, eight years old, I used to watch football with my dad. Uh, my dad used to work signing players for the club. And one of the markets that were that was at that time more um, accessible is good mm -hmm. yeah. accessible yeah. for the club was Argentinian football. A lot of Argentinian players they they used to come to Spain to play in Spain. So sometimes I remember if he was not at home and there was a game on TV, uh, he used to call me under. Uh, put the TV on and look the number 10 of, I don't know, Boca Juniors, he's interesting for the club and after you give me your your opinion. So even when I was a kid, I used to, to watch football uh, with, with passion and thinking about, uh, not only about who scores the goal or whatever, no? About the players that uh, I really liked or, or whatever. So 
the youngest f- sporting director ever. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't say I was a sporting director already, but uh, you were assistant. I was, exactly, assistant. <laughs> we could say that. Yeah. So, so much of your early career and your early development in the world of football is linked to you and your dad. Yep. Your dad supports athletic club because it was, he was born here. He did sure. all the academy here, so it, it it was a different story than me. Than mm-hmm. me, I was born here but I moved to Zaragoza when I was a kid so I grew up in Zaragoza so he's an athletic fan mm-hmm. and I'm more Was he okay with that as you were making that decision? Uh, he never put pressure on me <laughs> I decided by myself and I'm just a, a, a grateful person and mm-hmm. when I was 11, 10 years old I, I got into Real Zaragoza Academy they did everything for me until I was a professional football player so how so we know th- we know the setup of how it works in an academy in England. How does it work here? Were you still living at home at the time and just going to training? Did you go to school at the same time? At that time, I remember in Zaragoza, in my in my in the academy, only a few players they used to live in residence. Here in Bilbao, in Bilbao now they have built in Lezama in our training ground an amazing um, place for for the kids that they they don't need to go maybe 45 minutes every day to home and back. So they are really looking, they are really taking care of the, of the, of the players because we come back to the first question. Athletic club is about a local player. So they have to, to, to look after them and they have built an amazing um, centered for them to to study, to play, to live, and everything. But at that time in Zaragoza, I used to go and back every day. I used to live in the city, so it was just like fifteen minutes um, from from my home. When you joined the academy, your dad was director of football there, right? Yeah. Well, did anybody say, "Well, you just well, bring him in because he's your son"? Many, many times, many times. But the, the the time gave me the 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 you say reason or gave me the. This, the time showed that I was I was there because of my qualities, not because of my dad. So I didn't pay too much attention. The education that I had at, at home was, they built a, a strong character on me, so I didn't give up. I'm not gonna say that because sounds good, it sounds too hard in English, but I didn't give a... No, yep. <laughs> get it, get it. What about school, Andrew? Did you enjoy school or did you just want to yeah. play football? Football was my At lunchtime though, you play. But my mom used to tell me, if you don't pass the exams, you are not going to go to training. So mm. I was not an excellent student, but it was okay. Do you still have friends from your childhood? Most of my friends are from, from my childhood, from the school and after that from football as well. Oh. It's a little bit of a mix. I have a... Friends from school, some of them we started when, when we were four or five years old, and some of them are from football when I was 10, 11, 12. Yeah. So, and of course, the three amigos. The three amigos, of course, but that's more professional football. I could say <laughs> three, three different groups, no? Uh, school, yeah. academy football, mm-hmm. professional football, and of course, David and, and Juan, they are, they are part of my life and they will be forever. We are still in Qatar. We have our group, we, we talk, we, we laugh. Uh, all the time that we spent together in Manchester was amazing. And I feel so lucky to have uh, had them in, in my life. 
you're the third amigo because we uh, interviewed David a few weeks ago and Juan was actually a few years ago. So yeah. it's really nice to have you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about com- coming through the academy. I mentioned school there. What age did you leave school and it was just football? I started the, the university also uh, in, in, in Spain. I started journalism. Uh, I didn't pass too many exams because at the same time, at the same time, I was I was already getting into professional football. Yeah. So my mom used to kill me like, Ander, you have time for both. Come on, you have time for both. But after if you are there, football really squeezes you, and and sometimes you you feel exhausted to to go home and study or whatever to go to the to the university. But I started, but I started the university. Maybe one day I continue the the degree. I don't think so. But for my mum, maybe one day I come back. <laughs> if you're not going to hang up your boots soon, but are you thinking the media afterwards? Could be, could be. Uh, I like what you guys do. You, you're uh, welcome to join the podcast team. <laughs> I like, I like what you guys do. Uh, but uh, as I said before, I want to enjoy football as much as I can, and after time we'll say. But uh, always, I, I have some of the some journalists or some uh, how you say uh, football. Pundit, maybe? Pundits, yeah. uh, that uh, I look after them, after, after them as well because they are respectful. They, they talk about football, not about uh, things that uh, I don't like. And maybe it's one option. But mm-hmm. first of all, let's enjoy football. He didn't say no. No. Yeah. <laughs> You're <laughs> very extend the podcast, <laughs> uh, What was it like when you finally made your debut? In Zaragoza, yeah, yeah, I, it was uh, 2000, 2009, I think, February, if I'm not wrong, and phew, it was the start of the of the way, no, of the of the road, and it felt uh, great uh, because you, when you are a kid, you you think uh, that's too far away, you it's, it's difficult to 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 reach that level, and after you are there, you you are on the pitch and you feel professional football player. But even when you, so many players, they have made their debuts and after they they don't have great careers. So every player needs someone around him to, to, to keep his feet on the ground, to tell him that the debut is important. Of course, it's, it's a dream come true, but uh, I remember one, one thing that one coach told to me when I was 19 or 20, to make the debut is not difficult. The, the hardest thing is to, to, to play 100 or 200 games in professional football player. And even when I made my debut, I was happy. I was very happy, but I knew the, the, the way was going to be hard to, to reach where I am now. Tell us about the move then. I know we have spoken in some detail about your time here, but if you can tell us just about the move to here, that must have been a dream come true for all of your family. When I was uh, 21, I remember the club was uh, struggling in terms of money, Zaragoza, and I was player at that time at the club and we were not paid for a few months. So the club needed money and I was at that time the... The, the most value player at that time. So they needed to, to sell someone. They decided that I was the, 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 the player who, who could give some stability to the club. So I had different, different options. I remember that was Sevilla at the time, Villarreal, when I was 21 or I was 21. Sevilla, Villarreal, uh, Valencia, Athletic. 
but Atletico is special for me. It was a move, but it was not a, a huge uh, move for me because most of the family, they live here in Bilbao. I was going to move to a city that I know, to a club that I know, to a club where my dad had played before. So I think it was the perfect step for me to to continue in football. And I was not wrong. After that, as I said, I spent three years here. Fantastic. We reached some important things. I had the possibility to play in Europe and, and I had the possibility to, to go to, to Manchester United. So the step was, was right. And the opportunity to play against Manchester United. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Lots of Manchester United fans will remember that evening in 2012, the Europa League tie. Was that your first time at Old Trafford? Yeah, it was. It was my first time at Old Trafford. And I think I, I say that before, when I was there, I felt something special. I felt I was, I was in one of the, the greatest stadiums in the world. We were going to play against the biggest club in, in the UK by far. And I was happy to, to have that opportunity. I can also say that at that time I didn't imagine that I was going to play for United uh, two years after, but uh, it was a it was a pleasure to play in Old Trafford, and I remember the fans. I will never forget the fans, how they after the game, how they applause applause them yeah. applauses. They gave us their recognizement because we played an amazing an amazing game and, and at Old Trafford. So it was a special night. I will never forget that night. I thought it was really annoying <laughs> watching it. As I was a, frustrated. Yeah, I, know. I know. You as were a, so good. As a United <laughs> fan, I can imagine that. I understand. But uh, it was a perfect game for us. We we won 3-2. Could have been more uh, if David was not there. He made some, some amazing saves as well that time. And yeah, yeah. Um, it was a perfect night for us. After that, we beat Schalke as well we beat Sporting Lisbon as well and we lost the final against Atletico de Madrid at that time Falcao was on fire in Atletico de Madrid so he killed us he destroyed us but uh, that night uh, it was not a trophy but <laughs> was what was the what was the reaction like to to winning that game and knocking Manchester United out because when you get no disrespect at all to the athletic club but the, the teams are in the same competition yeah. but if uh, journalists and stuff would look at it and say United are obvious favourites in that tie yeah. so I imagine the reaction was wonderful for you yeah it was a world recognisement for us uh, we didn't even realise that was going to be that big when you are on the pitch you don't imagine how big was going to be that game for everyone for the club for the history even for, for United some of the fans they still remember and you know, normally you remember when you win, not when you lose. So that that means how how good we played that game. So perfect time. Let's talk about Manchester United. When did you first hear that Manchester United were interested in you? Because there was a lot of noise yeah. before you actually came to the club. What's what really happened? The year after the season, after that game, at the end of the season, uh, David Moyes tried to sign me for the club. But as you know, also Athletic Bilbao is quite hard in terms of uh, negotiations. And my clause was, was high. Manchester United at that time decided to, to sign another midfielder. And, and I was happy here as well. I didn't put pressure on the club because I was really happy here. This is a club where you really feel um, fulfilled. And, and I just 
continue playing my, my game. I just try to continue improving. And, and one year after, when, when Bangal, when Louis Bangal signed for the club, they called me again and they, they told, they say to me that they were willing to, to, to pay my clause and, and I was going to become Manchester United player. So that was the story. One year before they tried so to, and to, the, the to, year after they did it. To talk about the year when David Moyes spoke to you. So from the outside, because I remember watching this on the news, it was lawyers are in Spain, but they negotiating the deal. On, on, and then it, it was, they were imposters. And <laughs> yes, who were these people? Do we know? I, I didn't even know them. I, yeah. I, my, my, I know my lawyers and I know my, my <laughs> agent. He's the same agent when I was uh, 18. That were people that they were trying to make easy money. I don't know how. Or so maybe were they some... thinking they'd seen reports of the deal and they thought if we can broker it, we'll earn a commission or something? No, I don't think so. I think they wanted to be there if the if the negotiation got uh, success, success, successful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they wanted everyone to think that they were the ones who did it. And maybe after that they can uh, they can have more players or mm -hmm. more negotiations or whatever. But I didn't even know them honestly. It was it was funny because they, some of my friends, uh, your lawyers are in La Liga, no? Uh, your your lawyers they they are going to to pay the money. And I said, no, they are not my lawyers. I don't know them. And so that was funny. But I I remember that was a, a funny story as well. Yeah, very strange. When Van Gaal did sign you, did you have conversations with him? Before? At that time, my English was not great. So, and Van Gaal Spanish is not great either. So we were not able to talk directly at that time. But when I, when I was in Manchester and, and with, with someone helping, yes, of course I did. He told me what he wanted from me, that he was following me from a couple of years before and and I was just uh, amazed playing for United and I was looking forward to play already to, to, to be part of the club. So I remember that time as a very, very exciting and, and not only that time, after that I spent five years in Manchester and everything was perfect with the fans, with the club, with the people working for the club. The club for me was always perfect, respectful with me every day, every manager that I had, every people working for the club, trying to help. So I have United in, in my heart because of that. The, the club is, uh, we say in Spanish, gentleman club from the bottom to the, to the top. With Louis van Gaal, obviously we're doing in an hour, he's going to take his Netherlands side to play Argentina. I'm happy for him because he looked great, no? He was, he yeah. was, yeah. Uh, he, looks, a, looks well. he was ill. Mm -hmm. He looks great. So every time I see him, because I think he's a great person, mm -hmm. even, even though sometimes he looks like a, a little bit militar, no? Uh, he, he, he wants to have that, um, how do you call the turtles? What they have, um, you know, the? Show. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like yeah, a strong yeah. guy, yeah, but like, after that, there is a heart and... Ah, mm -hmm. uh, uh, tortoise, you were saying. Yeah, I, I, don't yeah. know how you, I don't know how you <laughs> say in English, you yeah, know, tortoise. That's right. Yeah. What they have in the... Yeah. So, first time you see him, he's like a strong guy, like very serious, but after, I think he, he gets emotional mm -hmm. very easily. He's a good, really good person and, and I'm happy for him. Um, because he looks great and he looks happy and he's enjoying life. Uh, when I heard the news that he was ill, 
I expected uh, something serious or and he looked great he looks that he's recovering so I'm happy for him I I, I want to see him for a long time training that that will mean he's he's okay lots of people have spoken about Louis van Hal's coaching methods some people say they've learned so much under him what were your thoughts at the time did you feel like you learned he, a lot from of, him of course I did I came from Marcelo Bielsa uh, yeah. Before joining, before joining United, I was with Bielsa and I was with Valverde as well. Valverde as well, but the Bielsa overall, he was a coach very offensive. Uh, you all know from his time in, in nice. at Leeds. He wants the, the, the team all the time attacking and all the, all the players moving, moving around. He doesn't want one player stopped. And I went to Bengal that was offensive football he wants to attack but he wanted to play po po positional game more every player in his position and was the ball who had to move from player to player not you chasing the ball so that was a, at the beginning that was difficult for me he wanted he told me a few times why you move all the time <laughs> <So> because <laughs> I, i'm used to it i come from from a couple of managers that is the the player who who moves but after a couple of months, I think I got used to it. Uh, we won the, the FA Cup, uh, we qualified for Champions League and I improved. I think I, I learned a lot from him. And uh, yeah, it was a couple of years, if I'm not wrong, a couple of years with, with Van Gaal. Uh, and for me, it was a good time. When you arrived at Manchester United, is it true that when you got to Carrington, Sir Bobby Charlton was waiting yeah, for you? He was waiting for me. I was happy, but my dad was even happier. <laughs> Uh, because I couldn't have the chance to, to watch him play, but my dad did. So he was happy. Uh, that was, I come back to the question before, that talks about what United is. Uh, I was a young guy. My career so far was not, uh, I was not the, f the most famous player in the world. I was like a project of, of, of a football player for, for Manchester United and Sir Bobby Charlton was waiting for me there. So. Thanks to him, thanks to, to the club, because they, that talks good about what, what the club is and how they treat people. So obviously your dad really excited about Sir Bobby Cholton, but I imagine at some point he got to meet Brian Robson for the second time because they played against each other, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't remember exactly which game or, or where they were playing at that time, but I remember my dad showed me a match report. Uh, he was there in one of the lineups and, and Brian Robson in the other one. After that, I had the opportunity to meet him, to, to spend time with him, and he's a, a great guy. I say hello to him from, from here, from Bilbao. And his daughter, Claire, he, she's mm -hmm. still working for the club, so great people. It must have been quite easy for you to settle into the club in terms of your teammates, which makes a big difference because I'm sure you've seen in your time at football clubs, players come, they don't necessarily speak the language. But for you, how easy was it to settle? Juan and David, they helped me a lot. Uh, you know, David is a bit more shy than, than Juan, but I, but I got support from, from both of them in terms of... Uh, uh, the language as well. Uh, Juan helped me a lot. I made also the effort to to go to. I remember one funny story when when Bangal was there. He used to force us. Uh, Di Maria at that time was Di Maria, Rojo, Falcao, and myself. We signed at the same in the same summer for the club. And Di Maria and Rojo they were not very interested in, in learning English. So. 
we used to do 45 minutes after the training, each player with the, with the teacher and they didn't want to go. So, so I, I used to, to go to their classes as well, <laughs> my, my 45 minutes and their 45 minutes. Sometimes it was annoying, you know, because you want, you want to have the nap as a Spanish guy, our siesta. Yes. But uh, I, I made the effort to, to learn English, to, to adapt myself. I, I think when you go somewhere, you have to, of course, it's nice when people try to help you, but after three, four, five months, you have to adapt to, to the place where you are. You have to, to learn the, the, um, the language, and, and that's what I did. Of course, Juan helped me a lot, David as well, uh, but I think I made the effort as well to, to adapt and to try to communicate with, with English teammates and with people uh, that used, uh, was working for the club. So. I remember I used to do my 45 minutes, Di Maria's 45 minutes, and Rojo's 45 minutes. Falcao used to go as well to the head. <laughs> me and him. It's uh, paid off. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It was it worth was, it. It was free. Bangal yeah. used to pay, so it was fine. <laughs> um, we've spoken about people like Brian Robson and Sir Bobby Charlton, but at some point, I suppose, you ended up meeting Sir Alex Ferguson, yeah. and I know he travelled with you sometimes. What was that experience like? Uh, he used to travel with us sometimes, uh, but I had so much respect for him. Um, I was not um, brave to go to him to talk. I would have loved to do it, to, 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 to hear some stories about his time at the club, in football, about the way he managed his, uh, his teams, his squads. Uh, I have heard some amazing things from, from him. But uh, I'm not shy, but with him, I, I was a little bit shy, <laughs> so I didn't go to him as much as I, I should to, to learn from him. But it was a pleasure just to have him in front of us uh, during the, the trips or whatever. It was, it was amazing. Tell us about your debut then. Were your family there? My debut, you mean in at Manchester? In Manchester. Uh, my debut was uh, at home against Swansea. We didn't win that game, but of course, my family was there. It was a. Uh, I remember the whole stadium red, uh, not because of the seats, because of the fans with the with the kit and with the with the United shirt, and and it was a three o'clock game or one o'clock, and a good weather. Uh, I don't remember whole, that. The whole the whole <laughs> stadium the whole stadium full, and and we couldn't win. That was a, that was a pity, but. Uh, uh, I have it in my in my mind, of course, with with my family and everything. And I remember after after the game, I, I went to the petrol station. I stopped in the petrol station. I was putting, uh, you say, uh, gas, no gas. Yeah. And some of the fans, we didn't play good that game, and they came to me. Come on, under we we're gonna do it. Well done. So I say, wow. In Spain, if you don't, if you lose your first game, your opening game, you don't play good. You play, you lose against a team who is not your level they don't tell you that <laughs> I was uh, I was experiencing at that time what uh, what I was going to experience after and I was go what I was going to enjoy in, in Manchester even if you lose win or draw they are they are behind you any other surprises to life in Manchester because we know and we spoke to David about the time he accidentally was accused of stealing donuts <laughs> I, I know him I, I, I'm sure of this story he was not he, wa he was too shy to, to say <laughs> something <laughs> he, he had no money at that time so he went to the car to pay and after 
because of him because he's so shy now so imagine if he at that time it was his first season of the yeah yeah it was straight away so, he it was a few weeks in I think I'm sure he didn't want to talk uh, English and to speak English and and he made that little mistake and you know this uh, some of the media in England they are a bit a little bit uh, too much <laughs> I think when we spoke to David about that he said that was his first experience of realizing this is something so small but such a big story yeah. and that is Manchester United when did you very quickly realize how big Manchester United is across the world even first day first day my interview with the club the, the day Bobby Charlton was there waiting for me luckily I didn't need to experience something like him <laughs> to, to realize how how big the club is so I knew I knew I am a football fan and I knew what what Manchester United represent all around the world and yeah from the first day I could say did you set yourself any targets or any specific goals or aims when you signed no, I don't like even when at, at the beginning of my career, I, I have never liked to put too, uh, goals too far. <laughs> I like to, to go training by training, game by game. And I wanted to, to become a, an important player for the club. That was my aim. That was my objective to, to, fee, to make people proud. Uh, I wanted the people to, to have the, 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 the feeling that uh, this guy gives everything. Even in the good moments, bad moments, he tried to to learn. He tried to improve. He tried to win games. He tried to fight for for the badge and for the club and for the institution. So that was my my objective. After that, we won titles. Um, we played some amazing games. We we brought back to the club a European trophy. But the moment I signed, I was not thinking about it. I was mm -hmm. thinking about uh, working hard day by day. Did you find that first season quite difficult? There was a lot of pressure on the team yeah. because Sir Alex Ferguson had yeah. left a couple of years, or a year before, sorry, and David Moyes had come in. Did you feel that even as a new player? Yeah, 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 because um, um, Sir Alex Ferguson had a very successful era at the club. After that, uh, Moyes didn't reach what people expected. So everyone was putting pressure on, on, on us as a new players, on, on the manager. And people wanted trophies, wanted uh, to win games and to qualify for Champions League and to, to, to be successful again. And sometimes that was not, that was not fair for, for, for Louis van Gaal as well, because I think he did good for the club. We won a, a FA Cup, we qualified for Champions League, but he didn't get that recognizement uh, uh, that I think he deserves in some moments. Of course, mm -hmm. Manchester United should fight for the for, for Premier League every season. We didn't fight for Premier League, but we did some important things to bring the club back to the to the top. And of course, as you said before, you were all learning a new style of football, which was very different. Yeah. I know you'd just come to the club, but even for the players that were there, it was a very different style of football. But you were rewarded by winning the FA Cup. Yeah. Do you remember the FA Cup as a child? Did you know much about the FA Cup? I knew it was the, the, the oldest competition in the world, it was the first competition that was created in, in, in the football history. And... I enjoyed it so much. It's, it's one of my favorite competition, favorite competitions ever. Even when we used to go to to uh, to Jobil Town, to 
Uh, I remember in uh, we play in. No, it was not Wimbledon, but it was university as well. Uh, it was Cambridge. We play there uh, with those atmosphere, all the stadiums, people standing still, they shouting on us. Um, wanted to beat Manchester United uh, because we we were the the, the or, or United is the biggest club in the in the UK, and I really enjoyed that um, that atmosphere against against us because I was thinking for myself like they hate us because they want to be like us so it was a exciting exciting competition i really like it that's so interesting because most players we speak to say their favorite games are liverpool or man city but it's really nice to hear that playing in those games against lower league teams were one of your favorites of course i cannot forget those games at atamfield when when we beat them uh, city at home we beat them they are Huge games, but I also enjoyed those games where where you you are playing against everything. Sometimes even against the referee. I'm not telling that the referee is going to give everything for them, but they are not going to give you anything. Um, sometimes even the, the the weather, the 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 lights of the stadium, they are not the same as uh, at new stadiums. And the pitch can be very different too. Everything, the football, everything. the grass, the grass, the the changing, the changing rooms, and everything. So that's football as well. That's why last year, when everyone was talking about the Super League, I, I was against it because the, those clubs, those fans, uh, um, they also deserve to 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 play against Manchester United, against Real Madrid, against Barcelona, against Paris Saint Germain, and the competition, the way the competition was showed at that time maybe that changed after but they were killing the dreams of the kid who supports uh, Altrincham I, I was living there that's what I say Altrincham you know uh, they say your team is never going to play against uh, a huge team a, a huge club so either you support a, a huge club or you cannot uh, see them so that for me is, is hard and when you go there in FA Cup in La, in La Copa del Rey in Spain to those stadiums that's real football as well uh, those stadiums are amazing I enjoyed mm -hmm. but when you go to the to the small clubs stadiums you also feel football and and we all come from that eh? we, uh, I didn't I, I was not born playing at Old Trafford yeah, so we have to respect that football as well did you and do you enjoy being hated by rival fans and that element of it yeah. there's not a better word there is, of Go course I, I have to say also there is a limit mm -hmm. we have seen some abuse on social media and everything that that cross the limit mm -hmm. but football hate with respectful but football hate I love it I love it um, because I do everything for my club doesn't matter what I play I do everything for my club I feel part of of my club I was not born Manchester United fan I was not born Athletic Bilbao fan but uh, when I was representing the club I was the, the, the biggest fan in the world so that's the way I feel football I know what Sam's going to ask you next yeah, well I was, I was going to get to it but there's a, there's a unfortunately it's not a more polite term there's a term in English football that's sort of risen to prominence in the last few years uh, which is shithousery yeah I know I know yeah, I have heard about it you are, you are someone who I think was um, 
acknowledged highly for your skill in that particular field. Yeah. And I that gaining advantage and winding people up and causing problems. Fighting for my club. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't matter what you have to do in the limit, always in the, into the, the, the rules, respecting the rules, but doesn't matter what you do, the, the objective is to win. And I have never made a tackle trying to injury an, an opposition player. I have never done anything uh, wrong to the opposition fans in terms of a, a nasty gesture or whatever, but I want to beat them. I want to beat them from the first minute to the 97th minute. I do have a question for you. Did you spit on City's badge on purpose? No, I didn't. Oh. I, I honestly, I didn't. I didn't do it. Um, I wanted to beat them. I wanted to, 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 to destroy them, <laughs> same as Liverpool. But uh, I respect all the... Same as I want my badge to be respected, mm -hmm. uh, I want the same... I do the same for the others. So I didn't do it on purpose. And I say that after the game, even I created some fans after that, that, <laughs> that theme. But I had to be honest, I didn't do it on purpose. I was so angry. We were losing 2-0. I was so angry. And I was thinking about the, how can we fix that? And I did it. I didn't do it on, my, on purpose. And after that, we, we won 3-2, if mm -hmm. I'm not wrong. They couldn't celebrate the, the, the league in front of us, which was... Oof, yeah, because I think they had the T-shirts I know, printed. I know. I love it. I love it because they had the T-shirts in the halftime prepared and they couldn't... Yeah, we did it in the derby or something like that. Yeah, they <laughs> couldn't take it off, could they? Exactly. Yeah. Talk to us about life under Jose Mourinho. What were your feelings when he was coming to the club? He was one of the greatest, or he's one of the greatest managers of all time one of the most successful managers of all time. He discovered a new position for me. He made me a more defensive midfielder. Um, and we, the first season we won three trophies, uh, the Super Cup, we say Super Cup here. There mm -hmm. is... Um, Europa League. No. The Super. Charity Shield? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Europa League and League Cup. And we qualified for Champions League, so it was a very successful season. And I, I became an important player for him as well. He, he made me go to the national team as well. And, and that was a, a key moment of my career. After that, uh, also with him, I, I got the, um, the, the fans player of the season mm -hmm. award. And I'm so thankful about uh, our time together. Uh, he was also a little bit shithouse uh, <laughs> coach. So was it was a good time. Was a different football from from Bengal, from Bielsa, from Valverde. Did you like it though? I like it. I like it. I like to to be part of football, uh, to be part of the team, to to help the team, and and that was a more contra attack football, contra attack uh, team. Uh, but after the after that, at, at the end of the season, uh, three trophies, uh, qualified for Champions League is not bad. You mentioned Mourinho, of course, and having that similar mindset. There was a moment after the Europa League final where he was holding up his three fingers and you see that and then immediately you're doing it and everyone starts doing it. Yeah, because we won that title and I didn't realise that was the third of the season, no? Because the, the first one, the first was too August, far away yeah. from, from that moment. But uh, it's not easy. If you see the end, at the end of the season, not too many clubs, they, they, they win three titles in, in, in one season. So it was... It was important it, overall because we were bringing a European trophy back against Ajax. We, it's an important club in Europe. We qualified for Champions League as well. Uh, it was uh, we were going to play this European Super Cup uh, as well. So 
It was an important trophy. Uh, I think it's still the last, no? The last yeah. of the club. Yeah. So don't rub it in. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but this year, I think, will be the, the year. They have to beat Barcelona mm-hmm. in, the next, uh, in the next tie. Yeah. And I think this is the... I like the team. I like the, the coach. So, What was the experience of winning the Europa League like, maybe in terms of the build-up and the preparation for the game? Because it came after the Manchester Arena bombing. Ah, I remember it was it was tough. The day before we were we were shocked. Uh, even the celebration was not a proper celebration mm-hmm. because we didn't feel one hundred percent. Overall, the the the, 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 the um, Mancunian players that we had in the team, it was Lingard and Rashford. I think they were very affected by that. And I remember I did the press conference after the game, and I said the only thing we can do is to to to. To dedicate, dedicate, dedicate mm-hmm. is good. To dedicate this trophy to 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 the victims, to the families. But even when you win that trophy, you feel so small. Sometimes football players, we think we are the center of the world, but we are not. We are not at all. Yeah. At that time, you realize that football is not important when when these kind of things uh, happen. And we offer them that trophy, and and that's all. It was a very shocking moment as well the, the day before. Very difficult time for Manchester indeed and the whole of the world we're yeah. watching on. Can I also just say I love the way you use Mancunian there. Mancunian is, no? Yeah. Is Mancunian. Yeah. From Manchester is Mancunian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very good. A little bit of colloquialism, I love it. Um, talk to us about goals. I'm sure you've been asked so many times what your favourite goal that you've scored for Manchester United is. Um, oh, yeah. I think uh, Tottenham. Uh, yeah. Tottenham FA Cup, semi-final FA Cup. After that, we lost the final against Chelsea and we deserved to win. We played a good game. Uh, but that was to score at Wembley, at Wembley, uh, with our fans there in the stadium. And also Chelsea in FA Cup away. I remember after scoring the goal, all the all our stand singing my name. That was a special moment for me. Every goal is important, but uh, I have those ones in my in my mind right now mm-hmm. the Chelsea games I think will always be synonymous with you because of your man marking of Eden Hazard <laughs> yeah at that time Hazard was the, the best player of the league with the best stats and everything Chelsea were on fire and Mourinho decided that I was the, the man to 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 stop him and the day before I, or two days before I say I'm going to try my best even if he goes to the toilet, I will follow him. And, 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 he, and it worked. And, and it worked because it was funny because I had a defensive role at that time and I gave an assist and I scored a goal and Hazard didn't do too much at the time. So it was it was funny. I'm, I'm just a team player. I, I'm ready to help the team. And at that time, Mourinho asked me to do that. And I did it and... If tomorrow I have to do it here in Bilbao, I will do it again. I want to finish my career with the feeling that uh, I have done everything that I have in my mind, in my in my hands to to help uh, my team, my coach, and my teammates. Have I, you seen all the memes and everything that happened after that game? You know what? At home with my education, I have always received the education of when things go wrong, don't pay too much attention, mm-hmm. but when they go good, do the same thing. So. When I win a game and I play amazing and when we score a goal, I don't pay too much attention. So after that, I was 
just laughing with my teammates or with friends, but uh, I didn't pay too much attention to the media. And I think that's the way have, I have always kept my mind balanced. Mm -hmm. yeah. I just want to go back uh, to the Mancunian thing. Sorry, if I can go back <laughs> a little bit. Because you have your own little Mancunian. Your first daughter was born during your time in Manchester. Yes, but was born in Spain. But she was oh, born, she was born, she in, was Spain, born yeah. in, in Spain. My, my wife came here and when, when she was a couple of weeks. No, we were, we were in China. That's okay. why. Okay, bit of a difference. Yeah, we were. No, no. The team was in. I mean, uh, as a team, and and my family was in Spain on holidays. Yeah. So she was born, and after when we came back to China. Is that she, when you left preseason tour? Did you? No, leave? No, no, no. I didn't. No. I didn't leave. No, no. We played against. Uh, I remember now. We played against uh, Wigan, friendly game. Then Mourinho gave me permission to go to my daughter's birth. And directly, I fly back to Manchester. I flew back to Manchester to go to China. So ah, okay, yes. I just I was just with my daughter, with Daniela, just a few hours because I had to come back to 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 Manchester because we were flying to to China for the for the precision. But uh, she's almost uh, Mancunian. I yeah. I I remember he, I remember her also where she was raised, the raised, you yes. say more, no? Raised, yeah, even yeah, raised. a few... Going to okay. nursery, that okay, kind yeah. of thing. She went to the, to the nursery, uh, inhaled, so all we have is, uh, they are good memories. Well, how did that change you as a person? Because mm. the way you talk football, you live and breathe football, but when you have a child, it's very different. Yeah, it is. Uh, overall, when you lose a game and when you are having a tough moment, when you go back home, you forget about it. I used to take my problems, my, my frustration uh, home and to my bed and I, I was not able to sleep. And, you know, when you have kids, uh, you, you forget uh, or, or you disconnect uh, a little bit mm -hmm. uh, easier. So you have two daughters I have now, two now, uh, Daniela and Carla. Mm -hmm. Are yeah. they into football? Uh, the little one, he, she's uh, three years old. She, she pays attention to the games. She, she yeah. likes to watch them. The oldest, no. The oldest, uh, I think she's not going to be... She's a, not interested. She's not going to be a fan. The, the, the little one, I tried to explain her already. The other day, she, she, she said to me that, uh, no, but girls don't play football. And I say, yes, they do. You can, you can play football. Now they are even... They have more recognizement. They, they, they are uh, getting more importance in, in football. Of course, you can play if you want one day. I take you to the to, uh, academy and you can start playing or whatever. So I was happy because I love football. And I at the beginning, I say I want a boy for, to play football, but why not? Mm -hmm. if, my, if my daughter, they, yeah. they like it and I will be more than happy to, to take them to play and to enjoy them. Like Oli Gunnar Solskjaer? Exactly. Moving on to him, his daughter obviously played through the academy. Uh, he came, Jose Mourinho goes out, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer comes in. Very popular person at the club, even before he came, of course, absolute legend. What was your relationship like with Ole? I know you've spoken very highly of your time with him. He's one of the best people I've met in, in football. He was a legend, but he was so humble to, to have a relationship with, with the players. He was always ready to listen what you were ready to say to help the, the team. Um, I think he didn't, for, for his work at the club, he didn't have uh, the credit he deserved 
honestly, or he didn't have the success that he he deserved because he was doing a, a great uh, a great job of the club. When I left, I thought he was going to be the man um, because of why, why what I was feeling, what I was smelling in the club, and he tried to to keep me at the club but uh, the problem or, or the, the the discussions were not with him was more with, with the board at the time but uh, as I said before one of the best uh, people that I've met in football I kept in contact after that when Cavani uh, when Cavani went to, to Manchester I was with him in Paris and and I spoke with Ole you have to sign this guy he's a really uh, a player who is going to give everything for you, for the club, he's a Manchester United player, and and also Cavani. He had some options, and I told him that uh, there is no better option than than United. It's true that the the pandemic killed that uh, Cavani moment because he was doing great before the the pandemic, and but I think he did good for the club, and and yes, uh, Ole is, is all the memories that I have with him. They are great. Three very different managers. Very different. Bangal, I could say, Louis Bangal, I could say, positional game coach, uh, like a teacher sometimes for, for young players. Mourinho, <laughs> house uh, coach, doesn't matter what you have to do to win, I just want to win. And, and we won. <laughs> and Ole, a legend of the club that uh, he wanted to. He believed so much in Sir Alex Ferguson philosophy, and he wanted to 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 bring that philosophy back to the club, but it was not easy. The players were different. The, the moment with the football were different. I always say when when people compare Sir Alex Ferguson with the coaches, uh, Manchester United coaches, we have to consider that. When Sirales was at the club, Chelsea was not a, a, a competitor for the club. Manchester City, they were not a competitor. Even Tottenham, they were not. So we have to realize that now the coaches, they are fighting against another five, six teams uh, to, to win trophies. Before, Sirales did amazing, but was most of the time Liverpool, Arsenal, no? Liverpool, mm -hmm. Arsenal, United fighting for the clubs. So it's not easy for, for Ten Hag now to fight Tottenham, Chelsea, City, Liverpool, Arsenal, and even Newcastle now. So whew, it's tough to, to be a Manchester United coach. Maybe one day, maybe one day I am, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not easy. Would you like to be a manager? I have doubts about it. Some people, they say to me that I have to be, but I also, as I said before, um, Sometimes managers, they don't get the credit that they deserve. No matter how much you work, no matter how many hours you spend working, 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 that after you go to the game, you play amazing, you hit the post and the, the ball go outside and you lose the game and you are the responsible. <laughs> if you win, the, the, the one who strikes, uh, the, the one who scores the goal, he takes the credit. But if you lose, doesn't matter what happens, it's you. Yeah, you've, you've played under lots of managers to know that it's a job where you're under so much pressure. When I looked at the list of the managers that you have played for, it's actually quite incredible. I'm so thankful. I'm yeah. so even even here in Spain, Bielsa, Valverde, yeah. before I had Marcelino, that uh, he's a great manager as well. He has reached a few important things here in football. In Manchester with uh, the, the ones that I have already named and in Paris uh, with uh, Tuchel and... Yeah. 
I'm Pochettino. I so can take things from, from all of them. Yeah. Where have you throughout your career, do you, I, I get the impression that you're just happy to be playing and whatever your manager asks you to do, you'll do. But where's, where's your preferred position? Like if you got to pick, do you prefer to be defensive or slightly more attacking? That the, I have been questioned about it a lot of times, but sometimes that depends on the opponent. Mm -hmm. If the game is open, if the opponent attacks, sometimes it's better to have an offensive position because you're going to have a space to, to play. Sometimes against Manchester United and against Paris Saint-Germain, the teams, they wait for you almost in their box to, to defend. So maybe you have more options to play if you are in more defensive position, more organizing the, the, the game. Depends, depends on the opponent, depends on the moment, depends on what, what every manager needs you to do. I have even played as right back in Paris where we had so many injuries. So the coach say, if I could play there, I did. And, and I'm still open, even being 33 years old, I'm still open to, to play. Not as a goalkeeper, please, <laughs> but uh, I'm still open to, to, to learn from other positions or whatever. I know you have spoken in the past about leaving Manchester United, but how difficult was that a decision for you? To leave, it was difficult because um, six months before, five months before, I was expecting that offer for me to, to, to stay. Um, at the, I, I don't want to, it's not the moment to talk bad about any, anyone, I'm not going to do it. But after my third season at the club, I expected a little bit more from the club at that time. I got the Players of the, of the Year award. Uh, no, see the the the, the see the play, player Players player of the year player. award by the 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 fans. It's a Matt Busby player exactly. award, Busby, yeah. and the club didn't call me in that summer for to sign a new play a new contract, and they did with other players. So that was that was painful for me, honestly. I think I deserved. Uh, they didn't do it, and after um, the conditions changed because. Uh, I was not uh, I was not happy with the with that with that little moment from the club. Um, people go through the clubs, but the club and the bat stay. So I could never say one bad word about the club because I'm so 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 thankful. But that was a little bit painful at the end of the third season. Uh, three titles, player of the year, and they didn't call me in the summer. So I was feeling a bit down. Mm -hmm. And after, um, they called me when, when I had one year left of the contract and, and the things, they were, not, uh, they were not right for me. I fight for the club until the last day, no problem at all. Uh, I, respect, I respected my contract at the, until the last day, but uh, they didn't come at the, right, at the right moment, in my opinion, and in my agent's opinion and in my family's opinion as well. So when you left for the last time, did you feel emotional? I did, I did. I remember that last day at Old Trafford. I, ha I still have the picture with my daughter. So, yeah, it was. I'm not. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Ander. You might notice there's a quick edit point here, and that's because, understandably, Ander was feeling very emotional about thinking of that time where he said about the picture with his daughter. So he just took a moment to compose himself. He went and splashed some water in his eyes, had a drink, looked out onto the pitch here, and now we're going to move on. At this point in your career, 
You've moved to Paris Saint-Germain. Right now, a huge European football club. Absolutely massive. But historically, not massive in the same way that Manchester yeah. United is, but still a, a big French club. What was, what was the move like going somewhere that is now massive, but maybe hasn't always been? Young club, but uh, with a huge uh, development in the last few years. Uh, I had the opportunity to to sign for a club that was ready to to fight for all the titles. And my first season at the club, we we lost the Champions League final against uh, Bayern Munich, and we we won the cup, the league. So um, when I decided that Paris Saint Germain was going to be my next team, I was not wrong. I uh, I had the opportunity to play. Uh, fighting for the for the biggest trophy in in Europe, so um, I have always tried to enjoy every moment of my career. And at that time, I knew that I was going uh, to a club, to a young club, uh, but with some of the best players in the in the world. And I also became important with with uh, with Tuchel. Uh, as I said before, we won trophies. I was living in one of the nicest and the most beautiful cities in the world. And, and yeah, it was a good move. I spent after that three years in Paris and- and you learned French too, right? I do not, uh, sometimes I've, I don't feel very comfortable speaking French. Depends on the situation, but I try, I try. I have, I have done some we'll interviews. We'll keep this in English, I think. <laughs> we'll keep this in English. <laughs> yes. It's easier. Don't change now. Yeah. <laughs> but I have I have done some interviews in, in French. I am capable to, to communicate with, with French people if they don't talk about something very difficult or specific. And yeah. Um, what was the football culture like? Um... It was different to, to England, uh, it, it was different, um, but people, they are also passionate about football. Paris, is true that Paris is a huge city, almost every day 12 million people got in, get into the, into the city, so not everyone likes football, but, um, but in, in the stadium the atmosphere was, uh, was good. They are very... Uh, demanding with the with the club with the they are crazy about the champions league which makes sometimes a decision um, you have too much pressure sometimes no uh, they don't care too much about uh, winning the league and or winning the cup and that's not easy either uh, they have to give also the importance of of winning those titles and sometimes you feel like only the the Champions League, the Champions League, the Chang the Champions Leagues. So that makes uh, makes it difficult for the player because mm -hmm. I consider the Champions League as a dream, not as a as an objective every every season that mm -hmm. uh, I start. No, you cannot obligate um, all the big teams to to win the Champions League. Otherwise, you have nine eight clubs failing every season, and to to not win the Champions League doesn't mean you failed it's just like the the last part of the cake we say mm -hmm. no the cherry on top the, the cherry on top <laughs> of the cake Ander it's been an absolute privilege to speak to you and hear your stories you speak so passionately and you did that when you were at Manchester United all the fans know that about you people speak so fondly of you I just want to know what Manchester United means to you everything Everything that I lived there was was good, 
Uh, I spend some amazing moments at the club, and I'm so so thankful. I'm not going. I'm not going to continue talking because I'm going to cry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And breathe. Like, I think it's one of those ones, isn't it? Like, what an emotional end to the podcast that was. Helen and I now back in the UK to assess everything that happened there. Oh, Sam, it's been a while since we've had that emotion on the podcast, to be honest with you, but that one really took me by surprise. Did you feel it was that really way? surprising, yeah. But, I mean, when I said to him, and did you feel emotional? Just, I thought he'd be like, yeah, it was sad to leave, or maybe he was excited because he was doing something new. But I just, I didn't see that coming at all. No, but do you know what? I was talking about it with Johnny the next day and you'll know now that you're a father. I think that bit got to him. He said that he was at Old Trafford with his daughter. I think he yeah. said standing on the pitch. And I think yeah, and that he said he's just still got brought, the picture. Yeah, that just brought, yeah. it just brings out a different emotion as well. And yeah, it was, it was really hard to watch. I felt so bad. I, I think both of us didn't know what to say. We both just kind of said, sorry, Ander, for making you cry. And it was also like... <laughs> A moment where you thought, oh, because I saw him put his hands to his eyes and I thought, oh, he's just, he's just welled up a little bit. But, but he didn't. He had, a, he had a proper cry, didn't he? Yeah, and if I'm not wrong, I could be. But I think all the people we've had who have got emotional have been over Zoom, apart from Lou McCary, which was in the very early yeah, days, of course. Right. Yeah. But to have that in person, which was very similar to Lou McCary, obviously completely different circumstances. But to be in the room when someone has that raw emotion, it's oh, it just brings tears to your eyes yourself. But incredible podcast. And I knew that would be really good because Anders always been such a good communicator when we've done interviews and anything in the past. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed that one. Unfortunately, though, I had to leave early. Not leave early, but I had to leave quite abruptly. Yeah, you had to leave abruptly because our chat with Ander was delayed because he had to go to the doctors. Yeah. And then my flight was approaching and I said, oh, my flight is at this time or whatever it was. I can't remember now, but Ander said, um, oh, you must go. So yeah, that yeah. was my cue. Yeah, he okay. was pretty adamant. You need, says, yeah, you need to yeah. go. Okay, yeah, I'm going. Um, but yeah. I'm just sick of you making him cry. Why you gone? <laughs> I think it was actually you that made him cry this time, Sam. Usually it is me, but I think it was you. Yeah. Um, you obviously, you can't talk about this because for those that don't know, Helen does not swear at all. Uh, yeah. But there was a lot of fun in the conversations around shithousery and his view on that and the fact that he called Jose Mourinho shithouse manager. No, I no, no, was really no. Funny. You called him that. Well, I called him, I called Ander that, but he, oh, he right, said yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. that Jose, he, he talked you about You introduced Jose. the word to the podcast. That's what I'm trying I did, to say. yes. I did. Yeah. No, that's that's totally reasonable. That, that was me. Um, I felt safe doing it and I think he loved it. <laughs> yeah. He talked very well and respectfully about his former managers. By the way, the list of managers that he has played for is incredible. That's astonishing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What a career. I was also thinking afterwards how funny it is that he plays for Athletic Club, but supports Zaragoza and is very open about like how much yeah, he supports. Yeah, I thought that too. It's weird, isn't it? You don't usually get players who will be like, oh, that's my team. That's who I love. But I, I play for these guys, but I love them. Yeah, especially because of the way he talked about his father, his family. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows somebody who plays for Bilbao. I kind of got the impression it's a bit like playing for a country. Yeah, it's a pretty special that thing, kind isn't it? Of, yeah, that kind of um, support. Mm -hmm. 
But maybe he just feels like he can be open about that because the links with his father and he's obviously very dedicated to the club. Yeah. Well, it's another one ticked off. Three Amigos, all done. Three Amigos. Emotional. Hopefully next time we do one, the Three Amigos will be there. It'll be you, me and Maisie. Oh my word, yes, Sam. That would be really nice. Maybe Maisie will be quieting down his golfing days now that it's winter. Yeah, that'd be a treat, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay, right. That's it from Helen and I, Ananda Herrera. Bill Bow done. If you want to get in touch with us, you can. You can email us, unitedpodcast at mayunited.co.uk. The address is in the show notes. You can send Helen or I or Maisie a tweet and tell us what you think of the podcast. We'll read some of those out as well. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe. Give us a like if you want to give us a review. We'll appreciate that as well. And until next time, have a lovely week. Adios. Adios.